everyone and welcome to Patient's Perspective. Working with the In Plain English book series, we are here to explain all things medical in plain English. So this is podcast one of three where we'll be covering clinical trials. Today I'm joined by Dr. Liz Walder, who has over 13 years working as a medical writer and has a million and one degrees and knows everything there is to know about clinical trials. Hello, Liz. Hi, Brooke. Thanks for the intro. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. So Liz, first up, what is a clinical trial? Okay, so a clinical trial is um, a type of research which explores whether a medical treatment or device or even um, a treatment strategy is um, safe and effective in humans. It's a really important part of the research process and um, it allows researchers to explore different parts of the disease as well as the treatment and look for new options for patients in the future. Oh, that's really nice. Um... But why would you say they are so important? It's very important because it's a long and careful process. And um, even though new drugs and treatments are rigorously tested, um, you still need to test them in humans to find out their potential benefits and risks. Um, And they're needed to find out whether it works or doesn't work in medicine. So if you had to sum up the key things that clinical trials do, what would you say? I guess clinical trials are used to find out first whether it's safe, whether it's effective, whether it actually works in that condition, whether it has any side effects, um, and I guess whether it actually works for you. And what about um, medicines that are already being prescribed? How does it affect those? I guess it also looks at whether it's more effective than those treatments or, or works worse than those treatments. Great. So how would you say clinical trials meet those goals? Are there different types of trial for each goal? Yeah, there are many different types of trials um, and the types are called phases and there are four phases in total and those are used um, at different stages during the process to investigate the safety and effectiveness of a treatment. So four phases, why don't we talk through them and go into each one a bit more? So what does a phase one trial involve? Okay, so a phase one trial is um, usually done in healthy volunteers um, and in a small group of, um, of participants, usually between 50 to 100. Um, and they are used to have a look at whether it's safe and effective to use in humans. Um, and they're sometimes used to look at dosing as well. So they, um, And this is called dose ranging or dose finding. Um, and um, this is used to find out which dose is correct to be used in humans. And what about a phase two trial? What does that involve? So a phase two trial is a a much larger trial. It's done in 100 to 300 people, but this time it's done in actual patients. So the patients who have that condition Um, and they are used again to look at safety and effectiveness, um, but in a bigger population and in people that actually may benefit from that drug. And what about a phase three trial? Okay, so phase three trials are even larger. So they are usually about 1,000 to 3,000 people. Um, and it's usually done globally. So a lot of different countries are involved in these in these trials. Um, again, it's in patients who have that condition. Um, and they're usually done um, to test a treatment against either a current, current treatment or the standard of care. Sometimes that's what it's called. Or a placebo. Okay, and um, what exactly is a placebo, just in case anyone out there doesn't know? Okay, so a placebo is a a dummy treatment that's often used in phase three trials. um, And it usually is a a treatment that's designed to look and smell and even taste like the um, treatment that's being tested. 
um, is sometimes called a sugar pill. Interesting. So I think we'll definitely be looking more into placebos in a future episode. But right now, let's kind of round up the phases of clinical trials with phase four. What can you tell us about those? Okay, so a phase four trial are, are reasonably rare, but they are carried out um, in a, um, a new population of patients. Um, and they are used to see if um, there are any other um, side effects that may appear from a current treatment. So after a phase three trial, then you'd move into phase four. But it kind of sounds like there isn't much of a difference. What would, what would you say are the key differences between a four and a three? I guess um, after phase three, um, if they are effective in that in that study, they are then sent for approval. Once they get approval from the Food Drug and Administration or the EMA, which is the European Medical Agency, um, they are then approved and can go to market. Um, and in phase four, these marketed drugs are then allowed to go into a further trial um, scenario and are then tested to see if they can work in a different patient population, i.e. a different therapy area or um, a different um, or to see if they can find side effects that weren't found before. So does every clinical trial go to market, as you said before? So does every clinical trial produce a treatment that will go on to be used by patients? No, unfortunately not. Um, there are many clinical trials that are not um, successful. Um, however, the thing to remember is that even though the treatment may not work or it might not be as effective as the standard care of treatment, it can still be used by research and it's really important information for patients in the future. So that is a very good point, Liz, and one we should hammer home. All of these trials, no matter the outcome, will still help patients. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned before that phase one trials use healthy volunteers and then in later phases, patients can get involved. Why would people choose to participate in these trials? Okay, so if you are a healthy volunteer, you may want to volunteer because uh, you would like to make a difference to people's lives um, and uh, the um, you may also get payment, but that is quite rare still. And what about if you're a patient? Um, if you're in a patient, there's quite a few different reasons. I guess um, the first one would be that you are looking for a better treatment than your, your existing one. It could be that your treatment options are, uh, are limited, so going on a clinical trial just gives you a different option. Um, and it could be the fact that you would just prefer some additional monitoring and care and realise that going on a clinical trial may provide that. Um, and also you want to help the patients in the future. It may, may be the case that this trial might not help you, but it may help patients in the future. That's a really nice sentiment. Um, so we've established that clinical trials are a big commitment and what we've kind of covered is why people would volunteer for one. But why would people be asked to participate in one instead of going out and finding one themselves? Okay, so I guess I covered a few of those. Um, the first one would be that your treatment options are currently limited. So actually giving, going on a clinical trial gives you another option. So your doctor may suggest that. It may be the fact that your doctor is not sure what treatment to give you and therefore they suggest a clinical trial. Um I guess you, again, you may want additional monitoring. They, they may think that that is a, um, necessary. And uh, it could be the fact that, sadly, your current treatment is just not working and therefore um, you may want to try something different. And again, sadly, if you are on your last treatment option that's available in the system, it may be um, the next step before palliative care. And can you uh, describe what palliative care is? just for people who might not know. Yeah, of course. So palliative care is when you have 
kind of exhausted all current treatment options. So palliative care is um, when you are given care and support, um, but not necessarily a, a medical drug. So you're, you're just being looked after um, um, as long as you can be. Those are a lot of reasons for one person to take part in one, but there is still a lot to think about. So why don't we kind of make a little pros and cons list for people who might be weighing up joining a clinical trial. So what are some of the advantages of people volunteering for a clinical trial or just joining one? Okay, so I guess an advantage would be that you are given more treatment options, that um, you are given additional care and support and monitoring of your condition, which may be something that you are looking for. Um, and I guess it may be the fact that your treatment options are limited and therefore you need something different or your standard of standard of care treatment is just not working. So it provides an additional option. So how about, because it is very much a personal decision to join a trial, would a patient approach a doctor? Like, is this mainly in their hands then? It depends, actually. Um, I guess uh, sometimes the doctor will look at your treatment schedule, be looking at your history and um, not know which which way to go. And sometimes they'll find a clinical trial and think, oh, yes, that, that person may be appropriate for this trial. Um, and they may suggest it. If they do do that, I guess they, they are given, um, a, your doctor will give you a patient information sheet which provides a bit of information about that trial, but also um, allows you to ask any questions you may have. Um, and the other alternative is actually as a patient or a healthy volunteer, you could look on a website or look at a charity organisation on your condition and find that information and find out about the clinical trial. And then you can ask your doctor or, your, or a nurse if they know anything and whether they think they, you'd be suitable or not. That's really nice. I suppose, as opposed to getting told what to do, it gives them more of a sense of control and they can kind of direct their own. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a clinical trial can sometimes give you more um, control over your over your condition and your situation. And, and it means you've got more of an active role and you actually can make a truly informed decision once you know more information. That's really nice. Um, but obviously with something like this, when you're testing new drugs, there have to be some potential risks. Are there any that you can outline? Yeah, definitely. I guess um, when you go on a clinical trial, you have to weigh up the pros and cons. And one of the cons would be, obviously, we don't know enough about the drug, which is why it's in clinical trials, to know if it will be effective for your condition. Um, so there is a risk that it may not actually work for you. It may be the fact that you, it may cause you to have side effects or it may not work any better than the actual standard treatment. So I guess there are uh, risks that you need to weigh up when you're thinking about taking part in a clinical trial. Okay, so that's definitely a lot to consider. But um, even those points might not cover everything. And um, we talked about a patient information sheet before. So you'd get one from your doctor. Yes, that's right. And what kind of information would that cover? I think it would give um, an overview of the trial. It would give an overview of what to expect on the trial, so the type of tests and procedures you may be asked to have. Um, and it will also give you... Um, information about who to contact um, if you are interested. What about if a patient has any questions? Would a lot of them be covered in the sheet or would they still have to talk to their doctor? I think um, some of the information may not be available on that sheet, so it is important to talk to your doctor if you have any questions. So we actually have a list of questions available on our website in case any of you wanted to have a look. A lot of them may be answered in the sheet, as Liz said, 
but it's still important to get clarification on anything that you don't understand. So the questions are around topics like specific trial information, what the trial involves, and other things you may like to know. So feel free to have a look at these on cutsyandcutsy.com. Um, so Liz, along with those questions to have at hand, is there anything else you'd suggest for a clinical trial patient to kind of think about having with them or just around them? I guess the most important thing is to have a support network. So when you go on a clinical trial, it can be really daunting and it can also be quite time consuming. Um, you'll be asked to have a number of tests and procedures and you, you may not feel very well during this, the, the time of the trial. So it's important to have your friends and family around you and they may be able to help with any transport difficulties you have or even just support you when you're having a bad day and or just be there to talk to. Thanks for all of that, Liz. That was very informative. And I think we covered a lot about clinical trials today and what it means when you sign up for one. No problem, Britt. So that was episode one, where we kind of covered what clinical trials are and what to expect when you join one. So thank you very much for all of that, Liz. No problem at all, Brick. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And join us next time when we'll be discussing how to find out if you're eligible for a clinical trial. But in the meantime, if you have any questions about anything that we're covering or even any topic suggestions, go ahead and ask away on our Facebook page, Instagram page, or tweet us at Cutsy and Cutsy. Patients Perspective is made by Cutsy and Cutsy, an award-winning healthcare communications agency where people matter, and based on the book series they developed with Dr. Liz Walder, explained in plain English. Ever since Liz was a young girl, she has been fascinated by nature and the human body, especially how things work. After gaining a degree in biology at the University of Aberystwyth, Liz went on to get a master's degree in immunology of infectious diseases from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and later a PhD from the University of Edinburgh's medical school. Liz has over 13 years experience working as a medical writer in numerous medical and creative agencies. In her roles, she has been responsible for interpreting high science and changing it into plain English for those who do not have her scientific background. Liz believes passionately in making science and health information accessible to everybody. She also loves innovative science and is a huge fan of CSI in-house. Liz currently heads up the content team at Cutsy and Cutsy as scientific team leader.